401 Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer that wherever there is money to grow, grow it. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're a 401, if so, for example, with Publix, they had a matching program. If you put in X amount of dollars, we'll put in X more. Mm-hmm. So why not stretch yourself to put in that dollar amount that gives you a double match? Most people say, well, I can't afford to make that extra $20 payment a month. Mm-hmm. But if you make that extra $20 payment a month, they're giving you 40 in a match. Figure it out. Hey guys, it's Ariel from the Work and Play Podcast. If you're getting any value from this channel, and I mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel, then I just ask that you do one thing. Please subscribe. Subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with and drop a comment below so I know what other things that you want to see next. Now let's get back to the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Young, and I have the fabulous Mr. Alistair Edwards joining me today. This is about to be lit. I hope you guys already know that. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. So I'm really excited to have Alistair on here. One, because if you just watch your Instagram, just kind of watch you living, you are the kind of the epitome of work and play. So without further ado, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, Alistair Edwards. Uh, let me see. What do you want? Background? Yeah. What do you do? Uh, well, know? I did 27 years with public supermarkets. So I was a store manager with them for about, uh, I would say, 12 years. But did a total of 27 years with them. Um, started working with Legal Shield back in 2003, and uh, went full time with Legal Shield in 2009 after I was matching my full time income and residual income. Okay. And then, so I walked away from corporate America, and uh, that's all I do. Do that, and then I, you know, do sales coaching and sales training. Yeah. So you say I walked away from corporate America, and that's all I do. So let me ask you this: How is life? Can you give us a description of how how good is life for you right now? Oh, you know, I'm at a place right now where I'm really enjoying life. Yeah. One, enjoying myself, and, and I don't know if that makes sense. Finally, understanding who you are and what mm-hmm. you like and what. You know what? 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 What are your 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 good and bad about you? So just learning more about myself. It, it's, it's funny. You go through life and still don't realize you still really don't know yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so now that I've known myself, um, I'm really enjoying life. You know, I get to do the things that I want to do. I, I say no to the things I don't want to do. Yeah. Which was something I didn't do in the past. So um, just really enjoying life right now. The way you describe it, it sounds like, so one of the things that we talk about on the Work and Play podcast is self-actualization. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm, I'm 30, so it really, it really feels good to hear, like, what makes life good for you is figuring out who you are. Right. Feeling like you kind of, you finally know who you are. Because for a lot of people, especially for folks who are watching and listening to us, it's like, self-actualization feels like it's so far off. Or just getting to know yourself and what you like feels so far off. So... I'm curious to know a little bit about that journey to like how you tapped into it. Um, but most of all, like your 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 exit out of corporate America. Mm-hmm. Everyone's really curious about that. So maybe you can provide some insight on like how we can actually do that. Okay. And then tap into our like version of work and play as we get into it, okay? Okay. So tell us a little bit about your story. So you, of course you have the Jamaican accent. Where are you from? So I was uh, born in England to Jamaican parents. Nice. So from birth to three, I lived in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the age of three, my parents decided to move back to Jamaica. So I lived in Jamaica from three to 14. And at 14, they decided to move to Hollywood, Florida. So from 14 to 17, high school mm-hmm. was at South Broward in Hollywood, Florida. 
and then freshman year of college was in Chicago between Kendall College and Northwestern. Okay. And then sat out a semester and then transferred to Florida A&M. Okay. And then graduated from Florida A&M. And then when I graduated from Florida A&M, moved into Atlanta with Publix. I started working with uh, Publix supermarkets when I was 14, 14 or 15, somewhere around there. Oh, wow. Okay, got you. Mm -hmm. So born in England, do you have any roots there? Um, I have relatives there. Okay. Yeah. So you still kind of know people? You don't, Do you ever go back and visit? Uh, England is somewhere I need to go back more often. Yeah. I go back to Jamaica more than I do. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I mean... I can't, I can't even blame you. I have family in England as well, and I never see them. I've probably seen them one time in 30 years of my life. Yeah, same. But I will go back to Jamaica. Yeah. Like Jamaica, <laughs> Jamaica is an annual thing. It's, it's, it's every year or every two years I go back to Jamaica. Do you have heavy roots out there? Um, Aunts, uncles, cousins, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool mm -hmm. beans, cool beans. So then you came to America at 14, went from Florida, Florida A&M. You made your way in college. What did you major in? Business, economics, and political science. Really? What were you going to do with that? Uh, I actually was going to go into law. Really? And the funny thing is, full circle, you're in legal shield, but what was your interest in, in law? Like, did, Was it a parent situation? You know how parents are like. Um, I just, I don't know, I guess from watching TV and law shows at the time, you know, back then it was, you know, all the law shows were coming out when I was coming up. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think that was, that was the interest. And then... I started working with Publix and then realized how much store managers were making and I was like, nah, do I want to go to law school for another four years after, two years, you know, two to three, four years after college and I was yeah. like, yeah, I really need to get into this workforce and make some money. And so, you know, one of my store managers said, hey, we're moving into the Atlanta area, you know, it would be a good opportunity for you, a good area for growth. And so I decided to take that chance. Yeah. And I was at 14 years old though. Wait a minute. No, no, no. You were already at Fort. You were already at Publix at fourteen. So you're at Publix through college, mm -hmm. and then when you had the opportunity to get your next degree and go into like four more years of legal school, or law school, you're like, nah, I'm gonna just career it out at mm -hmm. Publix. So you do you feel like? And a lot of people are currently in the age where we got to follow our passion, follow our interests, find our purpose, right? Okay. And at that time, you made a pretty like stable decision were you like at odds were you like oh my god i thought i was going to be a lawyer and or was it pretty easy, easy well I, I think it was more so um when i was when i graduated i actually had some sales offer jobs mm. so i had done internships two internships selling books door to door during the summer so i had a great sales history mm. and then i had been in Publix since high school so that looked good on a resume for potential employers and so my grades weren't the highest, but because of that sales experience and because of that job steadiness, I actually landed, I think it was four or five job offers. Wow. And all of them were in some type of sales, petroleum mm -hmm. sales, pharmaceutical sales, uh, Dudley Hill products wanted me to do sales for them. So I had offer letters from all of them. And it was at the last minute that a district manager from Publix said, hey, you know, you know we're moving into Atlanta. Right? We just opened our first store and we're ready to expand more and we think you'd be a good match. Mm. And so um, my dad told me, he said, he said, you know, when I was I was telling him about the different offers, he says, look, I don't know much about pharmacy stuff. I don't know much about it. He said, but I know people will always have to eat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Security. Right? And he says, you, 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 you know the business inside and out. Yeah. You know, if you go do what you do, it should be easy. Or it should be, you know, opportunity should be good for you. And he was right. You know what I mean? So I, I, I turned down higher pay 
for what seemed to me more like a, a good path. Yeah. And within six months, I was promoted into management and, you know, got to enjoy a good lifestyle. Basically, I mean, you know, Publix is a good company to work for. What would you say it was that got you to, you know, getting that promotion in a, in a few months of just getting there? Um, always trying to stand out, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, you know, one was, I always went to work early, I always stayed late if I needed to, uh, you know, I just just being better than the competition, you know what I mean? Um, we were required to wear polos, but I wear a shirt and tie. So I would stock in a shirt and tie, yeah. you know what I mean? Just to be the different standout, you know what I mean? And, you know, my, I was always taught to look the part. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you're the bagger doesn't mean people can't think you're the store manager if you walk the like, you, you know what I mean? Look the yeah. part. Yeah. So I always look the part. Yeah, dress for the job you want and not the job you have. Yeah. That's literally, like, I remember you saying that, and I was like, I've literally have t- told many, many people. But, you know, in the career, like, in the career world, we always talk about that. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not just a job, but it's a mindset. When you walk like you like you're the, the owner of the the um, store, then you look like you're the owner of the store. People act differently towards you, yeah. so you got that same energy. Yeah. Did you feel like you were like, and I'm and I'm really trying to understand like back then, it was easy to make a decision to like. Of course, Dad gave us advice to be like go to a stable um, industry. Like people are always gonna need to eat, but what happened to your passion for law? Well. I think at the time it was more so a passion for income. So once I, um, I did a study as to what the average attorney made. Mm. And the average attorney was way less than what the average store manager made. Mm. I'm not saying that I was intended to be average, but I knew to go above average, it would take above studies, it would take above, you know what I mean? And financially at that time, I didn't have that time. Mm, I got you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, okay, let me do this and then. I started to enjoy what I was doing. Like yeah. I enjoyed being a store manager, and I enjoyed the opportunity to train other people. I enjoyed the opportunity to get people promoted. You know what I mean? I enjoyed working with customers. Customer service was my thing. I just love, I love interacting with my customers. Yeah. So what was what was your favorite part about working at Publix? Um, mentoring others, mentoring other employees, and uh, taking care of my customers. Like, I hated the paperwork. I hated... So people always ask me, how do you run successful stores? I always found people that were better than me. I always recruited people. My my administrator assistant was... I always looked for the best administrative assistant um, or, you know, trainers. I always mm-hmm. looked to try to, re- to see if I could get the best deli manager. Because if I had the right people doing the right thing... Yeah. And you let the expert be the expert, I was the one of the managers that I would be like, look, all I need you to do is be the best at what you do. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to come over here and tell you to do it because you're supposedly the best. I don't have to tell you. Yeah. I just need you to continue to be the best. So nine times out of ten, if I was talking to my team and, and something was wrong, it's because they didn't do what I knew they were capable of doing. Mm. So I just surrounded myself with people that were better than me. I, all I had to do was be a store manager. That's true. All I had to do was say hello, kiss babies, and <laughs> welcome the customer. Yeah. And occasionally remind the employee that you didn't do what you were capable of doing. So all this time, while you're at, while you're a manager, are you still doing sales work? Um, I didn't get back into sales outside of Publix until 2003. Okay. When I got recruited into Legal Shield, so one of my one of my vendors came and asked me to look at this presentation. It was prepaid legal back then. Yeah. I was like network marketing, multi level pyramid scheme. I, you know, I, I came up with all the excuses. 
that most people do. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And for six months, every, every week he was in my store asking me to come look at this information. And I remember one Friday looking at my cameras, getting ready to go home, and I saw him come in and I called my front office cashier. I said, look, whatever you do, make sure you tell that man I'm not here. And he wouldn't leave. Yeah. He saw my car up front. So I came out, I said, Ron, what part I know don't you understand? And he said the thing that changed my life. He says, Mr. Edwards, I just want to know, would you agree with me that most of your good decisions in life have been made when you had 100% of the facts? Mm. I said, true. He says, you're making a decision on very little information right now. He says, all I want you to do is come look at the information. He says, no matter what you decide, I'll never bother you again. Yeah. He says, but if you don't come, I'll be here again Monday because you need to get the facts made sense to me. I went Monday and what I saw made sense. Mm. You know, I was in a foster to adopt program. So two of my kids are adopted and uh, needed to get a will done. Uh, a frat brother of mine who was an attorney was charged with says, you know, I gave a discount 500 because we usually charge 1200 for a will. Okay. And then this legal, this prepaid legal thing is saying, we'll do your will, your living will, your medical health care power of attorney. It's all included in your membership. It's only $24 a month. And I'll try the 24. It made sense. They did a phenomenal job. I was like, well, shoot, I know other people that could use it. So I joined the business. Mm. So I think the following Monday, I invited three people to come listen to the information. It was only a 45-minute presentation. Somebody else did the talking. All I did was put butts in the seat. They signed up, and I got a check a couple days later for $225. I was like, you were so telling me all I got to do is put butts in seats. Yeah. So I spent the next year putting butts in seats and made an extra 30000 I feel it. Right. Look, everybody talks about multi-level uh, marketing. And like you said, all they hear is scam. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. It's, it's like, it's the worst thing that you need to do. And at this time, you're doing well in, in public. I was doing six figures with them. Yeah, and you, you actually were trying to dodge the man. So... I remember you were in the morning meetup and you were giving us a sales talk and you were saying like when you're talking to your customer, ask them questions that are going to produce a yes, right? Mm -hmm. A yes or a yes. And when you say that, like, is it, is, it, is it fair to say you need all of the information to make a decision? And you're like, yes. Did you feel like you were being sold in that moment? Uh, I didn't know I was being sold. Mm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things is also ask the question to where the, where the person hearing the question receives it as information. Mm. Ask the question to where the person re receiving the information receives it as information. Ah, so they don't feel like they're being sold because you're asking them a question that makes mm -hmm. them go, he's telling me something I don't know. Yeah. Okay, if continue. If there was this. something that could protect your children, Mm -hmm. Would you do it? And so they're more like, tell me more about this protecting my children thing. Yeah. So at the time, he was using a strategy to intrigue your insight to be like, okay, yeah. yes, I need all the So facts. like when I talk to people about a will, I don't say, hey, you know, you need to get a will done because mm -hmm. they haven't done it now. What would make you think they've done it? Yeah. Let me ask you something. If there was something, if there was a decision to be made regarding your children, would you like to be the one to make the decision or would you want the state to make the decision for you? Yeah. It's a different question. Yeah. Right? What's the obvious answer? Yeah. You yeah. want to be the one to make the decision. Exactly. Yeah. So I just want you to know if you don't have a will done and you pass away, any decision regarding your kids will be made by the state. Yeah. The only way to prevent that is by getting a will done. 
Yeah. The good news is with a Legal Shield membership, you get your will done for you and your spouse at no additional cost. Yeah. See, now that makes sense. Absolutely. All right, just to say you need to get your will done doesn't make sense to most people. Because mm. based on statistics, we already know 70% of the population right now, 70% of parents right now, don't even have a will right now. Right. So, what, but what you do claim you... to love your kids. Absolutely. <laughs> right? But you don't have a. But you don't have a will. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, what would you. I would say it's fair for you to say it was okay to be sold in that moment because mm -hmm. you went, he sold you on a, a wonderful opportunity and it literally brought you your riches today. Correct. So then like when people look at multi-level marketing and if you, if you can be objective about it, mm -hmm. what is the stigma? Where, like, you know, when they say, when they say where there's smoke, there's fire, mm -hmm. where's the stigma? Where's the, where's the like loss so, in that? So here's where multi-level marketing gets a bad name. First of all, multi-level marketing, if you check history, has created more millionaires than any other industry. Mm -hmm. It's a billion dollar industry, mm -hmm. billions, right? But also with multi-level marketing, the system is the setup to where people can make money quickly. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you get people that just come in to make the money and do unethical things, which give the industry a bad name, Okay. right? So, for example, in my business, we may collect your credit card information or your, your banking information. Mm -hmm. So I have to be a person of integrity to take that information to make sure your sale is processed correctly. Yeah. But if you have someone that takes that information and goes and does something outside of that company's guidelines with your personal information, mm -hmm. now the industry has a bad name. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just like in, 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 I could use corporate. Publix is a good supermarket. They have great customer service. Yeah. But if I have one associate in my store that is rude to the customer, all of a sudden to that customer, yeah. Publix is a bad company. Right. Based on the experience they have with what? That one individual. Absolutely. So it, it's the same thing in any industry. I always tell people all the time when they say, well, you know, I see bad reviews. I say, okay, what's your best, what's your other favorite company you like? Mm -hmm. what's, the, what's the number one company you like right now? Pull it up. There yeah. is going to be bad a bad review. Mm -hmm. It's because that person had a bad interaction with a bad individual yeah. that works for that company. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's why you have to, even when I was building teams, people always wondered why my store scores were so high as far as customer service. Is because I, I had to let each individual in my store know the value that their interaction with the customer was mm. to the entire operation. Mm. So when I sat down with an individual and I hired them, the first thing I would say to them is here, look, here's rule number one. If one of my customers works out of the, walks out of the store upset because of you, I need you to just go ahead and clock out and walk out with them. You're fired. I, there's there's no there's no but there's no there's no there's no I, I don't care. Mm. When the customer leaves, they should leave feeling better because they interacted with you than when they came in. Yeah. We can fix everything. Everything else we can work out. Yeah. But the experience that they have is going to be based on you. Absolutely. See, one of my one of my district managers told me when I got promoted to store manager, he said to me, he said, Alistair, your job has now changed. Your job is not to take care of the customer. Your job is to take care of your employees mm -hmm. so they're better equipped to take care of your customer. Would you say you got most of your training on like how to do this from Publix or oh, yeah. from the, yeah? I mean, well, I got training from different places. I got training okay. from my parents early. Okay. So in Jamaica, my mom owned a craft shop. So we used to sell arts and craft, big tourist stuff, uh, um, 
So I was behind the counter probably at five, six, seven years old, exchanging money, counting money, taking money from people and customer service. And my mom was very good at customer service, mm. you know, making sure that the experience that the person had was good. And then when I went to Publix, customer service was everything, yeah. right? So yeah. if you look at different grocery store chains, Walmart's not going to give you customer service. You're going to line up in the line, you're going to get what you want, but you know you're getting a good it's the cheapest price. Right. So because they're they have so many stores and because their prices are so low, they're not really concerned about your customer, customer experience. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, whereas Publix is saying, yeah, we're going to charge a high price. Mm -hmm. uh, one because our buying power is a little different than Walmart, so we don't get stuff at the price they get it at because our stores aren't as many. I mean, that's a whole nother sales trade there. But because we plan to charge charge a high price, we have to give a better experience. So our focus is customer service, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, same thing with Chick-fil-A. Their Chick-fil-A burger is gonna be a lot more expensive than the, the dollar Whopper or the dollar, right? right? Mm -hmm. But the experience is going to be different. Absolutely. That customer service level is going to be certainly different. So I don't have a problem paying. Your customer doesn't even know they're paying the higher price because the experience is so great. Mm. It's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. So you got, you said you got training from like your, your mom, your parents, and just kind of working young. And I oftentimes, I'm actually kind of biased for MLM because I kind of feel like, like you said, it's a system that's created to help people build their own It's the best capital. place for personal development. Yeah. And when I hear you talk about your story, I don't want people to see that like, okay, well, because Alistair was already trained from young and because he had like all this experience... He's, that's why he was so successful at it. Given the training that you've already had, and now that you're the trainer, you, tra you train people all the time on how to do this, how would you take someone who doesn't have as much experience and maybe doesn't have as much of a foundation, because a lot of people don't have mom and dad now, mm -hmm. and turn them into someone who's successful at customer service, at sales, at multi-level marketing? So, so the good thing with network marketing is there's every company, every successful network marketing company has a system. Mm -hmm. Like Legal Shield has a system. Mm -hmm. Once you pay your entry fee, we know exactly what happens next to that individual. We take them to what we call a fast start class, so where they are properly trained on the, the product, properly trained on the app, properly, right? And then we plug them into a weekly meeting, right? Mm -hmm. The morning meetup call is the same thing. It's, it's where your motivation comes from every single week, but it's where you're also being trained on different things. Okay. And then there's a system that you are following. So for those that join the business and follow the system, success is guaranteed. Mm -hmm. I don't care what the background is. The problem is, just like on the job, just like on any other operation, is the people that are successful are usually the ones that follow the what? The system. The proven system. Mm -hmm. But there are people that come in and think they can do it their way or they don't have to put in as much effort and think it's going to happen overnight just like that. It doesn't. Mm. I don't care whether you join Legal Shield. I don't care whether you go work for a corporate job trying to move up the ladder. There are certain disciplines that you're, you're going to have to get the basic disciplines down to move up. Yeah. And those that overexceed in there are the ones that have mastered those disciplines mm -hmm. and then taken them to another level. Mm. Yeah, I got you. It's tough. So, Go ahead. You know, like we're taught, read 10 pages of a book a day. Yeah. But the one that really exceeds is the one that reads a book a month. Yeah. Going above and beyond. Going above and beyond. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Because here's the funny part. 70% aren't even reading 10 pages. 
we're on a morning meetup call, right? We, 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 we've read 10 books already right. this month. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you, if we were to get an honest statistics, 70% of the people that plug in every morning have not read the book. Absolutely, I would agree. Yeah, I got you. It's it's unfortunate because I I just feel like, well the numbers are the numbers. But it's the it's, it's, it's the numbers and in, in, in anything. It's, yeah. it's it's the thirty percenters, right? Mm -hmm. That go to a, a, a next level, and then it's the five percenters that really excel. excel. Yeah, I got you. And that's in any industry. Yeah. So in, on in, on paper, in my seventeen years, I probably have had. 7,000 people come through my organization on my team. Mm. 60 to 70% of them have quit on their dreams or on their why or why, why they don't want to do the business anymore. Do you ever feel like those who don't succeed, I know the numbers are the numbers, but I know you're good at what you do. So do you ever feel like the ones that you thought you were going to be like, oh, she's going to be the bomb? So I've had so many of the bombs. Yeah. <laughs> that bomb. Oh. <laughs> right? So, okay. So here, here's the problem. There's, there's another thing that I've learned in life, and I didn't learn this until later in the business. You cannot want it for somebody more than they want it for themselves. Like I've wanted people that I've wanted to have so much success in the business. But if, no matter how much you tell them what the formula is and what the requirement is, if they're not willing to go through that, yeah. there's nothing you can do for them. Mm -hmm. So when my business really started to grow, and I actually learned this from my mentor, Donnell Self, is when my business really started to go, is when I kept looking forward and start reaching back. And what I mean by that is when I started leading mm -hmm. and showing what it looks like to be successful. Yeah. And then those that wanted to be successful said, I'm following him. That's strong. Because what, you, what I was doing in the past was, let's say I get two individuals. Mm -hmm. And one individual is like, Alistair, show me what to do. I'm good to go. And then I have one individual who I really wanted for. And I keep got to go and I tell the individual that says, show me what, hold on, let me go back and get Ariel. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'll be right with you. Let me go get Ariel. Yeah. Hold on. This individual that all they needed to do was be shown what to do. They're ready to go. Right. They get tired of waiting and they go somewhere else. Right. I'm still trying to save the one I really want to be successful, but they're not ready to be successful. And now I've lost both of them. So life has taught you to focus. Focus on the ones that want to be focused on. Ooh, that's strong. So you're, you're. I'm thinking about your heritage, right? You're from Jamaica, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and there's a there's a there's a belief in the in the black community. Of course, there, there's like people believe there's like the crab crab in a barrel mentality. But then, um, you, you know, are you familiar with Sankofa? So Sankofa is a, um, a Ghanaian, um, I want to say a Ghanaian value that okay. basically says, as we move forward, we always reach back, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like even myself, um, you're talking to somebody who like, I, I'm always kind of reaching back for those who really desire. I'm even asking you questions because I'm like, how can we get homeless young people to go into multi-level marketing, mm -hmm. right? And I wonder, have you always had this, I know life taught you, hey, go ahead and focus on the front, but... Is there an inherent, like, 
was there an inherent change for you to like stop reaching back or was it always kind of like you always so did? so there's a difference between reaching back and giving back mm-hmm. so I had to f- once I focused on moving forward mm-hmm. and then leading those that wanted to move forward with mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. I gained more income to give back mm. right I can't reach back to the person that doesn't want to be reached mm-hmm. but I can give back to those that need it If that makes sense. It does. Right? So sometimes we are so busy reaching back where we even haven't gotten to a level to where we're actually the one supposed to be reaching back. That's a fact. To where we are pulled down. Now that's where you get the crap Crabbing in the barrel mentality. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm trying to help you be successful and I'm not even a success Success-y. yet. Yeah. Right? I'm trying to help you pay your bills, but my house is in foreclosure. No, I got to figure out how to make sure there's no chance of them taking my house. Mm-hmm. Then I can talk to you about, let me help you save yours. I got you. But I can't save yours and mine at the same time. Right? Yeah. It's like if your house and my house is on fire... I can't put a little water here and a little water here and a little water here and a little water here. Both houses are still going to burn down. Yeah. It would make, make, make a whole lot more sense if I just go ahead and douse my house, get it out, mm-hmm. and then I can come and save whatever's left of your house and we can rebuild what's left over. Absolutely. I'm with it. Yeah. I understand. I, I even, it even makes me want to, after this like interview, like kind of go back and think about Sankofa because the image is actually a bird that's looking back as they're facing forward mm-hmm. and I just wonder in, in terms of the black community if we have it if even like conventional not conventional wisdom but even like deep wisdom has kind of got us thinking about success and a, a bit of a I hope the bird's wisdom. not flying at the time no <laughs> right because right. if not they're not going where are you going that's if, a fact you can't fly forward looking backwards that's a fact I'm gonna have to think about that a little bit. See, so your in the tradition of birds, yeah. there's always a lead what um, bird, yeah, and they fly in in to where the lead bird is focused on the on where we're going. Yeah, everybody else falls in line, and he takes the blunt mm-hmm. of the wind. Yeah, to where the rest of the troops don't even feel the wind because of the formation. But the lead bird never turns back to say, "Are y'all behind me?" Yeah. And then once the lead bird gets tired, there's someone that says, look, I've watched you lead long enough. Mm-hmm. I will now take the blunt. You can fall back in formation and the wind is on me mm-hmm. because you've taught me enough to where now I can lead. And so they go further because they take turns leading, but there's always one that is looking what? Forward. Forward. Mm-hmm. Never looking back. Yeah. Until he or she gets tired and gets tapped and says, hey... I've watched you do it long enough. Yeah. I can take the burden now. That's real. It's the same thing in business. Yeah. It's the same thing in leading an organization. There were times when I had to be the leader. Mm-hmm. I am blessed now to where I have individuals on my team that go out and service my groups for me. Martavis Hillman, a young man just doing just a little less than a, a little over a year, about two years on the team now. But in the last 12 months, done over 100,000, done over six figures in the last, last 12 months. I'm here interviewing with you now. He's not doing some of my groups, servicing my groups. I'm not worried about what's going to happen in those organizations or in those presentations because I've trained him. Yeah. He was a student. He's the one that reached out to me and said, teach me. I never had to call him and say, hey, you need to get on the call. He said, Mr. Edwards, are we on the call today? Mm-hmm. To the point now, he calls me like, hey, I didn't see you. I, don't, I got to log on quicker now because he's like, hey, you're not on there. Yeah. <laughs> it pushes you a little bit to be better. Yeah. 
Mm. A good student makes a good teacher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You talk about um, your time teaching some of the people while you were at Publix mm-hmm. about how to maximize and optimize on those like um, those four those stock options, right? Mm-hmm. That's when I worked at Publix. That's probably one of the reasons that I stayed. I was like, oh, we get stock, and I'm only a cashier. I think I was making like nine dollars an hour, yeah. which is awesome at the time. And um, I will say, even when I left corporate America. I don't know if I capitalized on my 401k knowledge as much as I could have. And there wasn't someone like you to, like, teach that part of it. So what was it like? What was your, like, impetus around, like, teaching people how to leverage their 401k? Um, I'm I'm a firm believer that wherever there is money to grow, grow it. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you're a 401, so, for example, with Publix, they had a matching program. If you put in X amount of dollars, we'll put in X more. Mm Mm-hmm. So why not stretch yourself to put in that dollar amount that gives you a double match? Most people say, well, I can't afford to make that extra $20 payment a month. Mm-hmm. But if you make that extra $20 payment a month, they're giving you 40 in a match. Figure it out. Because now you're doubling your money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think sometimes we, we and I think uh, we're not taught to think big. Yeah. You know what I mean? We've been conditioned to be like, no, just make sure you got enough to pay your bills. Right. No, no, make sure you have enough to pay other people's bills too. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? You got to figure out how to grow your money. Right? So if there's a stock that you can invest in and there's a chance that it would give you a good return, I say invest in it. What was it like trying to teach, teach that to people who weren't necessarily conditioned <laughs> to think bigger? <laughs> Like, like I said, you can only teach those that want to be taught. Yeah, I guess it kind of goes back to... It goes to, back to the same philosophy. Yeah, It's, it's, it's those that want to listen to the information. Mm, I got right? you. Like, it, it, what amazes me is when someone says, Mr. Edwards, I really want to pick your brain. You know, can we have lunch? And then we sit down and the whole time they're talking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you really haven't learned anything from me because you haven't given me a chance to talk. Yeah. When I meet with my mentor and I say, hey, I want to take you to lunch, chances are he won't get to eat. <laughs> I'm gonna be the one eating while you talking, right? Mm. I wanna. I, I, the reason I met with you is to find out what you know. Yeah. So I always say to people when I'm, you know, people like people always ask me like, Alistair, how come you you're still hanging out with the younger generation? You're going to all their conferences and all of that because they're obviously doing something that my generation didn't do. I mean, I, I, I had the privilege this weekend of being with some young individuals. I mean, these young kids are doing thirty, forty thousand a month digitally, online, six figures in six months on with online courses and TikTok and all that. Well, I need to figure that out. Yeah. I saw you post about that. And, and I do, I respect that about you because one of the first days that I came into the morning meetup, um, I think there was like a mix-up because we were supposed to have one millionaire on and he was like trying to figure out who what millionaire was going to join. And you were like, I don't know how it happened, but you ended up being the millionaire we ended up speaking to. He, he texted me. He was like, Alistair, can we do your interview today? I was like, I'm good. That was lit. Because you just, you just came through. It seems like you just came through. You were ready. And then you even gave us all your number, which was like, hey, just reach out to me. So while you are um, very much a teacher, 100%, you, you always sit in the student, teach, the student seat as well. So it's really admirable. Uh, you, you do that. I think you can only teach if you're continuing to learn. Mm-hmm. Right? Never ever think you know you know enough. Yeah. Les Brown said to me, Les Brown and I were having a conversation. We had him as a guest speaker for one of our national sales network events 
when I was president of that organization. And he said to me, he said, Alistair Edwards, he said, I want you to understand, you are no value to me if you haven't read a book that I haven't read. Mm -hmm. So you're no value. Yeah. He says, if you don't know something that I don't know, what's the point? He says, I always try to be around people that know more than me. Because mm -hmm. that way I'm always what? Learning. I'm always learning something. Yeah. It's boring to talk to somebody that's talking about the stuff you already know. Yeah. Mm, okay. Student and teacher to through and through. So let's talk about your um, transition from corporate. Okay. We all have like a different story about how we left corporate, why we left corporate. And, and the list goes on and on and on. And because generational after generation, the reason that we quit actually changes. I like to hear about like one, like how long you stayed in Publix before you decided to quit, mm -hmm. and then what that journey was like when you actually left. So uh, it, it goes back to my dad's story. Mm. You know, my dad was doing well in Jamaica, uh, and then moved here and started working with the Seven Eleven Corporation. Mm. And um, every store they put him in, the numbers went up. Everything looked good, but. He was never put into management because he didn't have a college degree. But they kept moving him to store to store. He would rectify all their disabled stores, make them good. The store manager would get the credit. And mm -hmm. he always asked, you know, what's, what's my chance to get into management? And they gave him the excuse, well, it's because you don't have a degree. Right? So he was very adamant about me getting a degree. Mm -hmm. So I went ahead, I did that, I got a college degree. And mm -hmm. then I got into management with Publix. But then there's another position called district manager, which is another higher level which would give me a position to help more people because it's a decision-maker position as to where you get to promote the people in your district. And uh, so that's a level I wanted to go to. And, and it, 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 the, the trend started looking like my dad's story. They would put me in stores that were, you know, I got a Memorial Drive store, my numbers went up. I went to Emory, it became one of their best stores. They took me out of Emory, they put me in Cascade, those numbers went up. And I, I was kept being told the next one, the next one, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And no one ever said, you know, there's an opportunity for you. And I kept asking. And so I remember being passed over for a store. Um, and I just said to myself, I'm not gonna continue to allow somebody else to dictate when I get promoted. Right. And so my Legal Shield business at the time, uh, my first year paid me about 30,000. My mm -hmm. second year paid me 50,000. I was thinking to myself, man, if I actually worked this business, mm -hmm. it would probably, you know, meet my needs. And so the next year I went harder on it, it did 87000 My fourth year it did 114000 which was more than I was making as a store manager. Okay. And then by 2009 it was paying me about seven or 8000 a month in residual income, meaning if I didn't even do the business, mm -hmm. it would still pay me nine, ten thousand 10000 a month. So I was like... It's time. So 2009 is when I decided, yeah, it's time to go. So I set my, I put in my two weeks notice for July 4th, Independence Day. Busiest day for Publix. I did it on purpose, Independence Day. <laughs> I went in that morning, I got the store ready, I made sure everything was right, I stocked the store out, mm. made my rounds with my associates, thanked them for everything, and mm. I walked out the door and had not looked back since. Mm. So you felt liberated in that moment? Oh, it was the... It was a different feeling. Mm. Did you go through um, kind of an identity shift because you had been at Publix for so long? And Well, that was 2009, but I think back in 2006 when I made a decision 
Mm. I was slowly getting my mind prepared to be gone. Okay. So even so, 2006 was when I made my first six-figure year. I'm, okay. I made six in Legal Shield, mm -hmm. right? So I was making six figures in corporate, but 2006 was when I made. I think it was right around 114. 2007, I made more. 2008, so every year it went up, mm -hmm. and I was still like at around 102, 103 with Publix. Okay. So I was doing like 103,000 with Publix, and then I was doing like 114, 120, 140 with Legal Shield, mm -hmm. and uh, um, and I, it, it, it was like testing the waters to make sure, like, make sure, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But mentally, being consistently passed over, I was, I was checked out. I was, yeah, so by the time 2009 came around, I was good and ready. Mm. Right? I had mm. mentally burned the shit. It was just a matter of like turning that two weeks and getting up out of there. Yeah. So did you have, you said 2006 is when you started preparing your mindset. And I talk, when I talk about exit strategies, I talk about 18 months. So like, what was the preparation so in that? Well, well, it's different when you have a family. So at that time, mm. I had that, you know, my kids were still in, in high school then. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I had a family to support and all of that. So when, when you're, when, when, I always tell people, if you can do it when you're young, single, and do it, do it. That's why I, I was so impressed with this event, content creation event. I stopped by with Dave and his organization. And then I stopped by um, Digital Wealth with... Um, with Kendall, uh, Kendall Walker asked me to stop by there with his organization, and, and, and I'm saying, I just love what these young generation is doing, right? Yeah. And, and and the fact that they're doing um, philanthropy work and giving back to the community makes it even more exciting for me yeah. to to watch them do. It. I, it took it, the knowledge that they have now. I wish I had at an earlier age. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't into the millionaire bracket until I was in, what, my late 30s? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. these, these young guys are hitting it at 20-something, 23 years old. You know what I mean? So I'm excited for the next generation. I'm, uh, I'm so excited. And, and what, 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 what I would like to see more is, you know, that's why I love what Dave is doing. I love what you're doing. It's just to where now that is now being highlighted more than what the news and what the media talks about our community. Because there's some people out there really doing some good things. Absolutely. Young I, people. Very younger than me. Yeah. I, I think to myself, like I wish I had what they had, even though we're only a couple years behind. And I feel like with the younger generation, it can really go both ways. Like very nitwit, you know, mm. to, to say a better, a better, uh, to not have a better word, and then to say like very young moguls. You yeah. know what I mean? Like doing yeah. everything that they can. Um, and they're they're the thing that that's cool about it. They're birthed off of the Jim Rohns and the Les Browns. Like, the people who were, like, coaching the mo like MLM people back in the day. Like, this is what you need to do to be your best self. They soak it up, and they're like, okay, well, what's tell why can't I be the best that I can be? Yeah. It's crazy. So now that you are, have transitioned out of corporate mm -hmm. and gone into Legal Shield full-time, like, do you feel like, is, is Legal Shield kind of, does it feel like entrepreneurship where, like, even though you mentioned, like, there's a system behind it, does it feel more freeing or is yeah, it Yeah, I mean, because I get to write my own schedule. I mm -hmm. get to decide who my customer is. I get to decide where I go. So mm -hmm. I, I, I've taken that business model and I do what we call the B2B, business to business side. Mm -hmm. So without recruiting anybody, I just sell the product, the service. So mm -hmm. I go to companies, I go to school districts where I provide legal shield and identity protection for the teachers or for example, City of Atlanta has it as a payroll and duck benefit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, I cover several schools uh, in the southeast where they have the benefit. So mm -hmm. that's the side of the business I really enjoy. 
Yeah. It's just going out and making sure people are properly covered. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you understand what the benefit does, man, it's, it's a blessing to have it. Do you recommend corporate people who are now still trying to figure out what they're going to go into? They don't necessarily have a passion. They might have a passion for income and they might have family. Would you recommend someone who's already in corporate take that same route or is there better ways to do it than you did it years ago? Well, I would take, I would tell them to take that route, build, yeah. use their relationships. You mm. know what I mean? I mean, think about it. So our services are $24 per, right? Mm -hmm. Our plan is $24.95 a month. Mm -hmm. If you add the identity theft protection, you're looking at a total of $54 a month. But every time someone enrolls for that, the company pays me $300. Direct deposit the next day. Mm -hmm. So if I go in and do a presentation to 10 employees and 10 of them sign up for the benefit, I just made $3,000 for mm -hmm. a 15, 20 minute presentation. Yeah, that's $3,000 for the whole year? Like, if one person signs up, you get, it's like prorated or something, or like... Right, so I, so that'd be my upfront commission for that year. Mm-hmm. But next year, that customer's still paying that fifty-four ninety. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, up to 28% of that is paid back to me in residual income, as long as the customer continues. So every month they pay, I get paid. Because that has now become my book of business. Residual income. Right. So I have customers that signed up with me back in 2003 when I started that are still paying their monthly fee today that I still get residual income on. Nice. Right? And I always ask people, hey, two questions you should always ask yourself. What did you do 10 years ago that's still paying you today? And the most important question, what are you going to do today that's going to pay you 10 years from now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That easy, that's an easy decision, especially if, like, I'm um, talking to a corporate person who already has sales experience or like, now tell me this, what if a corporate person is going from like, you know, a journalist background and they go into legal shield, do you feel like there's any prerequisite type of skills that would make them exceed or excel a little bit Well, better? I think the prerequisite is the desire to succeed. Okay. Because that means I'm going to do whatever's required to succeed, mm -hmm. right? I don't care. Martavius Hillman came from wine sales. Tiffany Sullivan, her first year with me, did 190000 in personal commission. Right? She was a 16-year practicing attorney. Nikita Tucker, six-figure year on our team. She's from real estate. Catrice Jackson, God rest her soul, we lost her uh, 2019 to cancer at the age of 40. But in five years, built up a, 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 a residual income business. One of my, one of my top earners. Sean Stone is an actor. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't care what the background is, right? I got our, our, our team, Team New Vision, um, and that website is tnv4life.com. You can check that out. Nice. Um, <laughs> It'll be in the description. But on that, uh, our organization, there are 120 individuals that make anywhere from 50000 to over a million dollars every 12 months. And residual income. And they come from all backgrounds, mm. right? Single moms, married, divorced, <laughs> Muslim, Christian. I mean, we got all backgrounds. Nice. I mean, it sounds like it really is a good opportunity. I've always like kind of admired the the uh, world. I never got a chance to do it. I think I wanted to do Vector one time, like you know, cut code, but I never got into it. I never built a community around it. But it just really sounds like, even for my own clients who have a desire to go into something similar, like of sales or something like that that they might choose to do this and create an exit strategy. And, and the good thing about it, I think it's a good training ground. Like, uh, I'm, not, mm. I'm not the person that's saying, hey, you need to do legal shielding. That's what you need to do for life. Right, okay. I'm saying you may want to do something bigger, but you don't have the capital to do it. Network marketing is a good way to gain that capital, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, 
but it's also a good training ground. If you talk to Dave, Dave will tell you, Dave started with prepaid legal, right? That's where I met Dave, that's where Dave and I became friends, mm -hmm. right? And at one point I was considered a mentor to Dave, now he's a mentor to me, right? Yeah. But it was there that he learned about Jim Rohn and he learned about, you know, Think and Go Rich. It was there where he got the personal development to which now he's doing some amazing things, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I think network marketing and the multi-level marketing industry gives you a foundation to be greater than network marketing. That's a good, that's a, dare I say, that's a good selling point. Like, you know, just being able to set up your transition. For some people who don't have four years to create an exit strategy and they just want something to be able to kind of keep the, keep the lights on or even excel, train, learn how to develop yourself because it sounds like you'll be able to not only develop your sales skills but then learn what you're actually good at in the, in the um the long run is a it's a good play, especially uh -huh. if you're between 25 and 35 and you're trying to figure out what your next business move is going to be. So now that we're like all now that we're 100% in legal shield, your life is good, everything is like you're. I see you traveling all the time, right? And I see some of the benefits that you got from being like a top earner. Like, what does work and play actually feel like or look like for you? So the good thing with legal shield is every year they take about 400 people on an all-expense-paid trip. Mm -hmm. uh, anywhere from five to seven, they pay, they depend on what level. So, or, or you know, so I'm in what, what you call the circle of champions, this last trip. So I was given seven days, mm -hmm. all expenses paid. So we just left um, Cabo San Lucas, right? Nice. And then River Maya, and last year was uh, Jamaica, we've been to Punta Cana, we've been to Lake Tahoe, Huntington Beach, all expenses paid. So you're there with 400 other Legal Shield people that are just, mm. they usually buy out the entire resort. So it was the Hyatt Ziva. Um, next year we're going to Maui. So I can get somebody right now that could join my business today and qualify for the Maui trip. Mm. Right? Because the system to help someone do that is there. It's just the question is, do they what? Want to do it. Ugh. It's that 10% we talked about. You got to. You right? got to want it. There's the work that's going to be required. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people, people look at network marketing and think it's a get rich quick cream. No, it's net work marketing. Yeah. There's that work part in there. There is work that's going to be involved. But I always tell people, you're going to work anyway. Do you want to work for a job for a set salary? Or would you like to work in a network marketing opportunity that can give you unlimited income? Yeah. All right. Someone always asked me the other day, someone asked me one day, he said, look, how come you, how, I, don't know, I don't know how you do it. I said, what do you mean? He said, I don't know how you work for something where you don't know what you're going to get paid every week. Mm. And I said to them, I said, I don't know how you do it. He said, what do you mean? I don't know how you work for someone knowing exactly what you're going to get paid. <laughs> you already know what you're getting paid. Yeah. You already know that what you're getting paid right now is not meeting your needs and you go do that every week. That's stupid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a real mindset, though. It, it, yeah. I used to say that. Yeah. Like, I literally used to be like, why would I want to be in a commission job? Like, because then I might not be able to take a nap, and then I won't be able to get paid. If, if you know your check, check is $1,000, you get paid on Friday, and by Monday you're like, damn, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm still behind on another bill, you might want to look at doing a network marketing company on the side. Right, and get some other cash Because money. the guaranteed paycheck is obviously not going to get you. You know, I like when people say, well, as soon as I save up enough, I'm going to start. Mm. So you don't have anything that's bringing you extra income right now. Yeah. The check that you make is not meeting your needs, but as soon as you save up, when is that going to happen? 
Mm. That's not going to ever happen. Why do they need to save up? Like they they're just not sure of their own abilities, or do they is there like an initial investment? Well, well it's a ninety nine dollar investment. Oh, but okay. if you, if your current bill is not giving, if your current situation doesn't even allow you an extra ninety nine bucks, I say go in the hole ninety nine bucks and let's get you in profit mode by next week to pay, to yeah. cover cover the loss. Yeah. But some people are so afraid, or so conditioned to mm-hmm. just enough. Yeah. Right. To where they miss out on the opportunity to invest, right? So, for example, um, I invested in Dave Shan's content creation course, right? So it was a two thousand dollar investment. Mm-hmm. But what I learned once I've implemented has paid me that money back, right? Right? Yeah. It allowed me to market better. I, 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 my generation is not IG. My generation is not Instagram, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But learning content creation from Dave has now allowed me to create an IG page and properly monetize that and do a better job of, of posting. Yeah. Right? I would not have learned that had I not invested the nineteen hundred dollars, the two thousand dollars, right? Yeah. But what I'm seeing in return, I've had more people join my organization, I've had more people get memberships from me, from my post, from my page and all of that. I've made that two thousand dollars back. Yeah. And then some. Yeah. But I had to make the what? The investment. Mm-hmm. And I think most people are afraid of what if it doesn't work. And the question should always be what if it does. Right. See, it is, it, 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 uh, someone said it. If you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. Either one. If you think it's not going to work, you're right. If you think it's going to work, you're right. It all depends on what your mindset is with it. Right. Go buy the course, whatever that course may be is. Take the class. Get the training with the intent of... What I learned from this is going. To, I'm going to use it yeah. and make it work. Absolutely. If you go in that with that, with that kind of mindset, it doesn't matter what the investment is. Yeah. You know, we talked to Dave this morning. He said he's somewhere taking a fifty-five thousand dollar course. Right. And I and I got off the phone and talked to another individual. Like, I don't know if I could pay fifty-five thousand. And I'm thinking to myself, knowing Dave, if he paid fifty-five thousand, he's going to make five hundred thousand. Right. <laughs> Right? Because yeah. he's going to 10x that information. It's mm-hmm. all about the mindset. Yeah. I agree. First time I ever paid $1,600 for a course, I had heart palpitation. Yeah. That was the, only, the first time it ever generated $11,000. I said, oh, now I know exactly what this, this thing means. Yeah. I'm into the system where you invest. It's and not you the get cost. Exactly it's the want. value. Boom. Right? What am I going to get out of this investment? Yeah. Right? The fifty thousand is only a waste if you go there and you don't take notes, you don't listen, you don't implement, you don't, you don't, you don't take what you've learned and try it. Absolutely. Right? If you are scared to implement what you learn, then buying courses is not what you should do. You should go get a nine to five. Yeah. Well, speaking of nine to five, you have transitioned into a much better system. Like Legal Shield is a much better system. Like you said, if you do everything that you're supposed to do, it, it's set up for you to win. Mm-hmm. If you're investing yourself that $99, go $99 in a hole, get back into profit mode, it's set up for you to win. Are you sore? Like, how would you, how would you compare your pleasant feelings for the Legal, legal Shield system mm-hmm. to like the system of the nine to five? Kind of knowing what you experienced. And sometimes the effort that you put in doesn't always... So, here's, here's, here's my comparison. Okay. Both systems are good. Okay. But you just got to know what the odds are. Mm. See, when I was with in Publix, mm-hmm. in every store there can only be what? One store manager. One store manager, right. The odds are very, 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 very 
slip. Okay. In network marketing, you can have as many executive directors as you want. Mm. There's no if you decide you want to get promoted in network marketing, you get promoted. Mm -hmm. In in corporate, somebody else decides if you get promoted. So you could be the actually the best person in that nine to five system, mm -hmm. but the person next to you could be the best friend of the decision maker. Mm. So no matter how good you are, the position is going to the best friend. Yeah. In network marketing, I don't have the I don't have the I don't have the I don't have the right, the privilege, or the access to say you can't get promoted. If you do X amount in premium dollar sales, you automatically get what? Exactly. You automatically get promoted. Mm. You control your promotion. Mm. I don't control it. Whereas in corporate market, corporate America, there's always someone else that controls the narrative. Mm -hmm. In multi-level marketing, you control the narrative. Yeah. You decide, am I going to learn what the system is and am I going to do it? Because if I do it, the promotion is what? Automatic. All right. I'm not mad at it. So now that you're in, I, I I agree with your I agree with your opinion. I think for a lot of us people who are like sore from corporate America, it's like you don't want to look at it like that. But you're right, good systems either way. You just have to know the odds, and I think that's a good takeaway for any of us to kind of um, wrap our minds around what that corporate America experience actually was. And, and, I'm, and I'm saying, if you want to be in corporate America, you got to realize that I have to be so much better mm -hmm. than everybody else mm -hmm. to get that one slot, that two slot, that three slot. Mm -hmm. That possible. That possible slot. Yeah. I'm not saying it's impossible. Mm -hmm. I'm just needing you to be, have a reality check of what it's going to take. Mm -hmm. I feel it. I feel you it. You know, that's why our parents always told us, make sure you got to understand we got to be twice as bad. Twice as good. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth. That's a fact. Just to even get noticed. Yeah. Just to even be on the list to be considered. Right. Right? And then now, now once you get on the list, now it goes down to, well, who knows you? Right. <laughs> and that's not even that's not even down to a, a science. It's more still subjective. So you can spend your whole, you know, your whole career trying to vie for that one position. You could be the best person for it. You just have to know the odds. And if you decide to play that game, which I think a lot of people, you can decide to play that game, you can decide to play the legal shield game, or go straight out into entrepreneurship and sell other things, like, it's just your decision. It's your decision. So now that you are uh, legal shield 100%, you're now thinking about training externally, like, in a sales perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, where, where would you say you are in that journey? Like, how are you... Going into so, entrepreneurship now. So um, I'm developing a sales course, mm -hmm. right? So I'm getting ready to work with Jose on that. Um, just developing a sales course and an online sales training program. So just to create another stream of income. Because not only that, I enjoy training. I enjoy teaching people. So yeah. I can't wait um, for it to come out. I, I love doing Legal Shield. I, that's, I, I think that's what I was passionate and called to do. I just love because I believe in what the product does, especially when we look at social injustice right now and are people not having the proper legal access or not being able to call an attorney when you see blue lights going on. I think every parent should make sure that their child has a legal shield membership. It's a simple app. You know, blue lights go off, press the red button, by the time the officer gets to the car, your attorney's on the line. That's a no-brainer for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So to make sure that I empower enough people with that service. What would be your top three um, takeaways that someone who's, one, listening to your story and then hearing clearly that you're really good at sales, what are the three takeaways that they would get from a sales training with you? Okay. Uh, one, it would take 10x whatever they're doing. 
Uh, so here, here, here I'll, I'll give you a little secret. I'll, I'll put a little secret, a little dabble of what the sales training is. Inside but not only that, and, and I'll say it up front, these are not bars I came up with, right? It's <laughs> stuff I learned in network marketing, okay. right? Yeah, in sales, they're, they're basically four type of people. You know, we call them the fish, urchin, right? Shark, whale, dolphin. Someone that likes to have fun, someone that needs to know all the facts, someone that likes to make money, or someone that likes to give back. In selling, you have to figure out which one of those four people your customer is. Mm -hmm. So if I'm talking to somebody who just wants to make money and I'm saying to them, hey, my product, you know, we're helping a lot of people, they're not interested. All right? But if I say to them, hey, the good thing about it, if you take my course or if you buy my product, or it's going to make you a whole lot more money. Okay, now I want that. Mm -hmm. So it's figuring out what that person's trigger point is. So because you don't know what your customer is, you have to figure out a way to cover all four. So if I was promoting you and your podcast, I'd say, hey, here's the reason you need to plug into Mrs. Young's podcast. Most of the people that listen to it, they see their finances 10x, shark. One thing I know about her, she loves to have fun. Dolphin, all right? And the funds that she's raising, she's giving so much back to the community. Well, mm. and she's been doing this for such a long time. She knows 100% of the facts about what she's talking about, urchin. I've covered all four. So now I can get people from all industries and all angles and plug it into this podcast because I've struck a nerve with every one of the four type of people that are out there. Mm. And so I have to go generic in my beginning promotion to figure out which one is plugged in. They'll tell me, man, I heard you can tell me how to make a lot of money. Okay, now I'm talking to a shark. I can, now I can say, okay, I can give them this course. I hear you're helping a lot of people in the community. Oh, okay, now I can give them that course. So you bring them in with a generic promotion till you figure out which one is what, and then you can give them a target course. Mm, that, like especially if you have different offers that goes to each um, type of client. Mm -hmm. The concepts make a lot of sense, and I think what what intimidates me about sales is like I feel like I just have to get thrown into a situation to learn. But when you're training somebody on sales, and I know it's going to be a digital course. But like, what kind of hands-on training helps your students like be, become better salespeople? Well, first of all, sales is not about selling. Sales mm -hmm. is about making sure you feel a need. Mm -hmm. So you figure out what is the person's need, and you meet them where their need is. Mm -hmm. Right? So I'll give you a perfect example. When my son was being born, I was driving a Toyota Supra, two-door Toyota Supra. And I remember once I found out I had a child coming, I needed to get a different car because Toyota Super is not a car you can carry kids around it. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to a Ford dealership and I just happened to park by the Mustangs, Ford Mustang. And I got out of my car and before I could even get out of my car, a salesperson came up to me and was like, man, that's you right there. He pointed at one of the Mustangs he's like, that's you right there. He said, what do, you, what do we need to do to get you one of those? Da -da 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 -da. And it was such a turnaround for me that I got back in my car and drove 12 miles down the street to a totally different Ford dealership. Mm. And a guy named Don Peterson walked out. He said to me, he says, he says, sir, thank you for coming by today. He said, my name is Don Peterson. If you have any questions, I'll be here walking around. Feel free to call me. Mm -hmm. He walked off. Okay. Now I had parked right by the Mustangs, just like I did at the last one. Mm -hmm. And then I started looking at different cars and all that. And I went to ask him a question. I said, hey, Don, let me ask you something. He says, before you ask me, sir, let me ask you a few questions. What is your situation? Let me see if I didn't have anything that can meet your need. 
because we may not. So that was like him saying, I might not even be able to sell you anything today. I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, well, I'm getting ready to have a child. You know what I mean? So, so, so it sounds like you need a bigger car. And I said, yeah. He says, well, when people are building a family, they usually get a minivan. But he says, you really don't look like the minivan type. <laughs> I says, you're correct. He says, well, there's the expo uh, Explorer. Right? You seem pretty tall. It'll give you some leg room. Da -da 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 -da. He says, but if it's in your budget, you may want to look at the Expedition. Because mm. it has some added space, some added leg room. And let me tell you about the added features. Whichever one's best for you, you let me know. What did I walk out of there with that? Expedition. Fully loaded. <laughs> did you feel like it was a good fit for you? Yeah, but I made the decision. Yeah, yeah. He just presented with me with what the options were. Right. He never tried to sell me. The guy that tried mm. to sell me the Mustang, mm. right, threw something at me that had nothing to do with what I needed. Got it. So the goal in sales is to figure out what is it that your customer needs, and then you present to them the best option. And nine times out of ten, the best option is going to be your top sale, your top dollar thing. Yeah. Because honestly, it is the best option. Right. It was the one that had the extended recline. It was the one that had the, the, the third row seat. It was the one that had the, you know what I mean? Yeah, the most value. It was the most value. Mm -hmm. And if it was in your budget, mm -hmm. as he said, that's what you should get. That's Ooh, what I did. That's strong. Look, if by the time you get this course out, this episode should be out. So if there's an affiliate link, we got to get it to the people. You'll have it. Let's do it. Let's do You'll it. Have I have it. really, really enjoyed your story. And I, I got to know a little bit more about you. I don't typically get to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one, you know what I mean? And I think you're like a living legend among like the, the morning <laughs> meetup folks. You already know that. Like Anytime you come on, it's like the voice of... Hey, the voice of Ella Stairs is sharing a bar or sharing <laughs> something, some wisdom. We always give you your time. So I thank you for giving me some of your time on this couch today. It's been really much of a pleasure. Now, one thing I typically ask is more so like a ceremonial question in, uh, to pay homage to Sankofa. But given the fact that um, given the fact that we've already talked about like that, that, that notion, I want to share a book that I've actually been reading. Okay. And it's called uh, The Big Leap. Right, and okay. it talks about you know how we are actually passing you know our upper limit problems. Something, and it talks through like four different barriers of belief that we have to like kind of break through. Some like those limiting thinkings, those limiting thoughts that we have to uh, break through in order to like surpass our upper limit. So I'm curious. In 2021, you're living your life, things are going well. What's something that you are overcoming today, um, and then how are you actually like overcoming it right now? Um, so one of them is procrastination, mm. putting off things that you know you should have done. And I'll tell you what will make you step up your game, a near-death near experience. Ooh. So um, about eight weeks ago, went to, got my physical. Doctor told me you were perfectly healthy, everything looks good, your numbers look good, everything is great. Mm -hmm. I walk out of the doctor's office like Superman, right, feeling great. And uh, a week later, I felt a pop in my brain and uh, got a massive headache immediately. So three days of headaches and taking pain medicine, and then on a Tuesday, Tuesday, one of my friends was like, hey, you really need to go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor, urgent care. As Soon as I went to urgent care and they ran my numbers, he was like, Mr. Edwards, you need to go straight to the hospital. So I go to the hospital, they do an MRI, and a surgical team comes in and says, hey, we need to take you into surgery. 
and they do an angiogram. Come to find out I had a busted blood vessel in my brain. Mm. And he says, it looks like you almost had like two or three mini strokes, right? And so when you, I was in the hospital for three days, bed rest for about a month. And once you've had an experience like that, what it, what it taught me is no matter how good you think you have it, life can end just like that. Mm. Like life is short, short, right? So um, I think it was God's way of telling me stop putting off. Like I've been talking about doing a sales course for a while. I called Jose. I'm like, look, <laughs> we need to get this out, right? Mm-hmm. I've been talking about writing a book. I'm writing the book. You know what I mean? Mm. So it, it's, it's just making sure that you understand that your time on this earth is whatever little time that God gives you. You need to maximize it. Stop putting off tomorrow what you can do today. All right? Like when you asked me about this podcast, you're like, yeah, I think I'm all the way out in September. And what did I say? Let's do it. You ain't got nothing anything earlier? <laughs> right? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how many days I got left out here. You know what I mean? That's let's, let's, yeah. let's knock it out. Let's knock it out. You know what I mean? So I'm, 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 I'm being more proactive in the things that I really want to do. Like I'm not putting them off. So I'm taking the trip. So even though, even though I was supposed to be on bed rest for, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not missing the trip. It's a free trip. I'm going. I'm going. I went and played golf on some of the most amazing courses in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, why? Because I fully plan to enjoy whatever little time I have left. I'm gonna do spend it with the people I want to spend it with. Yeah. And I'm gonna go to places I want to go, and I'm gonna change the life that I can change in the process. Mm. I'm not wasting the time that I got left. Oof. I gotta ask you one more question. Okay. And even as I ask you this question, you can even wrap it up and help someone understand like how they can actually reach this level. Because one of the things that you started off um, in the beginning of the interview with was just that for you, work and play is you being able to like reach, like learn yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And that procrastination, that's hard because that's, that's exactly how we booked the interview. It's just like, yeah, I've actually, I might even be taking time for granted to, to a certain extent. But when you think about the last thing that you learned about yourself, the question is like, What's that one thing that you learned about yourself lately within the last couple of um, weeks to kind of complement that procrastination tip? And then what would you um, what would you suggest for folks who are in their transition and they need to learn something about themselves sooner? I'm good enough. Mm. Right? Some people are saying, well, I don't know enough to write a book. No, you're good enough. You know, you know enough to where you can get somebody to one level and then as you learn more, you can write the second book. Right? You're good enough to start that business. You're good enough to, 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 to join that team and have success. You're good enough, right? So I'm slowly learning that, because sometimes we compare ourselves to other people, right? So there was a point in time where I made way more annually than Dave does. I'll be honest with you, Dave way makes more, way more annually now than I do, because he has better systems in place, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm slowly realizing, I was like, okay, that's the younger generation, but I'm realizing, I'm still good enough to learn those systems. That's why I plug in with Dave. That's why I plug in with the Dunn and John generation. What are they doing different that I just didn't learn? Mm. I learned one set of success principles, but there's a new generation and a new way right now, right? When I came up, digital wasn't a thing, right? Uh, I, as a matter of fact, I would probably have a terrible reputation now if Instagram was a thing when I was coming up based on the things I did in my past. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? Thank God there was a social media. <laughs> So, you know what I mean? You got to look at it. You know, social media wasn't a thing when I came up, right? We had the flip phone and the pager, Mm -hmm. 
right? We took a picture on a camera and we took the, took the film to the store and waited five days to get our pictures back. Yeah. That's not the world we live in now, right? right? So I need to be understand that I'm good enough. And, and, um, and I think what is m- most exhilarating is understanding that I am happy being with me. Mm. And I think most people don't realize that they're so busy trying to be with everyone else that they haven't even figured out who they are, right? You gotta be happy with yourself. Yeah. I've gotten to that point in life right now where I'm really okay being with me. That's strong. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh no, welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Man, thank you guys for watching and thank you guys for listening. If there's anything that you got from Alistair's story and you want to connect with him, you want to work with him, or you want to take his sales training, Alistair, how can they get connected with you? So I'm on IG. (laughs) Alistair.edwards with A-L-I-S-T-A-I-R dot E-D-W-A-R-D-S. And then there's my Linktree link on there that will give you access to everything. My LinkedIn, my Facebook, my Instagram, my Legal Shield. Okay. All my affiliate programs. Perfect. And soon my sales course. Nice. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right, y'all. Well, you got enough information in this one episode to last you for the rest of the year, if not your lifetime. So I just suggest you go ahead and apply some of this information so that you can build a life that looks like work and play for you. But until next time, peace out, guys. <laughs>